Great to see you. And uh, who's doing well? Yeah. Doing well. Welcome to all those joining us online this morning. Just want to begin with a couple of little disclaimers. If you were at either of our other two campuses in the last few weeks, you've probably heard this message. Uh, I, I really feel that this is a message. It's a message God gave me when we planted Selwyn, and I really feel now is the time to restate some of these things. There'll be some differences in here. Um, just wanted you to know that. Uh, but I just want to start by saying thank you to all of you here at Levita and this campus for helping us to build forward in the direction that God has for us and to helping us fulfill the vision that we feel God has given us, your faith and your commitment to God and your willingness to sacrifice and your willingness to stretch is so uh, unbelievably uh, special and we are so thankful. You give towards the advancement of Life Church and here's the cool thing, we're now in three locations. Uh, so thank you for your willingness. Thank you for your ability to change and to be flexible and to move because we're in a bit of a season of change. Well, David and Joe are off and running as campus pastors at Selwyn, which is pretty exciting. So they began last week, which is cool. And that means Julia and Ben are back with us also, which is, which is pretty cool for us. But Angela and I are really excited for our Selwyn campus moving forward because we know that David and Joe will be a huge blessing to them as they bring their leadership and their, their giftings to that campus, which is pretty exciting. So keep, keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. Keep praying for QE2. How awesome is it that four weeks ago we planted our QE2 campus? And uh, I'm probably the most excited because God puts a vision in your heart. And then when you see it come to pass with your own eyes, it still blows you away. It's still incredible that it's happened. And we've seen that now with the planting of our QE2 campus. Can I give you a challenge this morning? I preached at Selwyn last week and they were really responsive. So, so I'm going to go back there if you don't get... No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. That's good. So campus planting has come about because it was in God's heart as part of Life Church's new era. And it was seated in my heart because of a walk I took along a beach in Pegasus five years ago. And you know, if you wanna hear from God, it's a good thing to do. Go take a walk on a beach. Get out from under your normal heaven and go somewhere else and hear from God. And if you don't wanna hear from God, don't do that. But if you do wanna hear from God, it's a good thing to do. Well, I was walking on the beach in Pegasus and my interaction with God was simply me reflecting on the amazing journey that we had been on at that time of 29 years as a church. And what an amazing job that Paul and Jill, the founding pastors, and Paul and Kathy and the team had done in building Life Church. What an incredible church it had become. And I was thankful for the fact that they had planted the church because I got saved in this church. So I was very much just pondering all of that and wondering what the future might be if God had chosen Angela and I to lead. Now, if you know me and you knew me, and many of you do, that was a fair question. Why on earth would you choose us? And I was contemplating that and wondering, God, what, what does the future look like? And I felt God drop into my heart. I'm asking you to plant churches and I'm asking you to help churches. And I knew it was God because it was not something that I was looking for at all and within six months of having led the church. One church was enough. To plant others was a, a challenge. But then the story began to unfold. I couldn't shake the sense that it was God. And you all know the journey that we went on as a church and we've been going on as a church and now we are one church in three locations plus online. By the way, we've done what God asked. We've planted two campuses and online and we've helped three other churches through their own transition. We've managed to help three other churches find the answer and discover their own future. It's pretty cool. So had God given us a model? That's a good question. Has God given us a model for expansion for where we're going? Is planting churches a model? Well, it's not a model for us. I was asked recently by someone in the church, I won't look at them 
How many more campuses do I, Carl, want to plant? Well, the answer to that is very simple. It depends on how many God wants to plant because it actually has nothing to do with Carl. It doesn't matter what I think because I don't have a desire to plant anymore unless God says, plant more campuses. And I've learned something about my relationship with God is I'm not asking God to come and fulfill my dreams. I'm trying to help God fulfill His dreams. And there's a big difference in your life. And so it's God's plan and God's dream for us. So all of what we have today and what we see, and the fact that you're all here and we're here and we've planted campuses is simply down to the word obedience. It's not simply down to human strategy or human planning, but a willing obedience to the Lord. Each step from when God first spoke about planting out to this moment that we're in now has been obedience. It's been about individuals in a church being faith-filled enough to say yes to God. And our people are amazing. Our people continue to blow me away. We are committed to the mission. That's why I can say to you, thank you for being flexible. Thank you for being willing to change. Thank you for your investment because we are a church that doesn't do mission, but a church that's on mission and that's all of us and you're a part of it. And I wanna acknowledge that in your lives. A few weeks ago, I announced that our offering total had come in, our Thanksgiving faith offering that we have every year had come in at 548,000. The new total now is 608,000. So you continue to be faithful even in your giving. Shortly, I'm gonna share with you more around why I think obedience is so vital, what it means for us and why it's so important to God. But first I wanna share some prophetic things I felt God gave me. As I said, as we began the journey of planting campuses, vision that comes out of prophetic promises from God. I felt God give me the words in 2018 ahead of planting Selwyn and the words were new era. Life Church is entering a new era. What we are doing is not a season. Seasons come and go relatively quickly. They pass, some not as quick as others, but seasons do ultimately leave and a new season arrives. But this was not to be a new season. This was going to be a new era. But this new era was needing to be marked by some new things. It was going to be defined by the reality that we will never go back to the way we were before. We are now one church in three locations. We will never go back to the way it was before. We'll never be the same. So this new era and the new needs some restated distinctives. Every era needs to decide what is going to mark its era. Some things need to go and some things cross over every era. When you move house, one of your biggest decisions is what are we going to leave behind or get rid of? Is that not true? Like what are we taking with us and what are we leaving behind? I don't know how it works in your house, but you tend to pick up a lot of rubbish along the journey when you've had a house for any length of time. A whole lot of stuff you, you really don't need. And how many garages are full of stuff you know you actually don't need, but you've still got it sitting in boxes. And when you move house, now you decide what comes and what goes. And when you move eras, it's the same thing. We have to decide what is clutter, what is stuff we don't need, and what is the stuff that's coming with us that will cross over every era. Well, we're beginning here, we are believing that this new era will be so much marked by a fresh revelation of being missional. Being missional crosses every era and comes with us, but we need a fresh revelation, a new distinctive of the church of Jesus Christ in our generation being missional and that we would act on the mission that God has given us to reach people with the hope that we have in Jesus. But that the mission in this era would be personal. 
And we've spoken about that this year. It's not just corporate, but God is wanting the distinctive of mission to be personal for every believer, where I take responsibility for the extension and the expansion of God's kingdom. It's great that the church has a vision. It's great that there's a corporate plan, but it's so much better when every individual is on fire with the mission of God burning in their hearts. I can see that's getting a whole lot of us super excited. I met with some pastors, Ange and I did, some local pastors from the Northeast, which is where our QE2 campus is now planted uh, a few weeks ago. And last year we met with pastors from the Selwyn region and then we regularly meet with pastors in Christchurch. And every time we meet with them, it's awesome. And it's awesome because I can say hand on heart, Life Church is not planting in order to grab people from other churches. But we acknowledge alongside all the other churches that we all have a desire to reach people who right now don't know Jesus because that is the mission. One church growing at the expense of other churches is not success and that is not the mission of God. It's God's heart that every church would grow and every church would be missional and every church would be reaching people. So when we gather with other pastors, it's our heart to keep blessing them and praying for them and believing that they also will continue to advance in the mission that God's given them because not one church, not one denomination can do it on their own. God never planned that. It's all of us together. We'll also have the distinctive in the new era of a fresh sound that comes with this new era, the sound of declaration, where we would give voice to our faith and a willingness to proclaim the promises of God. The word God had given Ange and I was resound or resound with a new sound of declaration. And it would be in our generation that the sound would be heard would be one of great faith for the future and a complete hope in God's promises. For me personally, there was a personal challenge in this because we're actually averse to hyper faith or name it and claim it kind of faith. And yet that's not what God is asking of us in any way, but the sense that God is challenging us to take Him at His word, to resound, revoice the declaration of His promises. In fact, I've already said this this morning in my prayer, but God is a God who speaks and He creates. So it's not name it and claim it faith at all if it's according to the Word of God and the promises of God. In fact, it's giving voice to what God has already declared over us. But we would be a people and a generation who would know the Word of God and take God at His Word and take God at His promises and be willing to voice the things that God has already declared over us. Boy, there's a challenge in that. Then we better know what God says in the Word. We better have every generation who understand the Gospel and understand the promises of God over their lives, that we'd be willing to give voice to the stuff of faith that God has placed in our hearts. And standing here today, I'm totally determined. I've said this at each campus now because I've said this whole message at each campus now. (laughs) Not to say that certain things will never happen. When God speaks, we often wonder how will it happen because we know our own frailty. We know our own skill set. We know what we are capable of. And we think, how, how on earth would this happen? As if we're sort of thinking God needs us to do it. Things look impossible, but nothing. The Bible says nothing is impossible for God if we keep walking in obedience to Him. Nothing's impossible. Yes, it feels impossible when we're in the driver's seat, but when we're walking in obedience to the Word of the Lord, nothing is impossible for God, but obedience is the key. I think as Kiwis, we're really good at giving voice to the things that we lack, that which has not gone our way. 
the stuff that we feel we've missed out on. We're really good at giving voice to the excuses as to why we can't do something or shouldn't do something. And we're really good at giving voice to other people as to why they shouldn't either. We're really good at seeing the negatives about why somebody can't achieve something in their lives. Maybe you don't really have that gifting. You're not really good enough in that area. We're good at giving people the out, the reason why it might not work. But what if it was different? What if our job was to encourage, put courage into people, believe God at His Word, trust that God can do anything God chooses with any person despite them? If they're walking in obedience to Him, we're good at giving voice to things we're not good at. We're wide for the cannot and we're wide for the should not, particularly as Kiwis, or to observe the things that have gone against us. And yet I feel that God is saying, come on, Life Church, come on, Carl and Ange, come on, team. How about you have a new sound? And the new sound is a declaration of faith that trusts my word and trusts what I say. You see, you serve a God of the possible. So it's time to resound and to resound with a declaration of faith. This campus is to continue to reflect that declaration. Levita campus, we have some big goals ahead. It's gonna take great faith and trust in God. Planting campuses was never a destination. It was part of the journey. God's got some big things ahead for us as a campus and we'll continue to believe that this campus will move forward in big ways. But the question I have is why? Why should we believe for that? Because we don't see a small gathering of people. We see a campus and campuses with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, a campus that's impacting this region powerfully and bringing transformation. And we felt God say, don't lock that up in your hearts and live in doubt, but declare it in faith. Why not declare that you'd be a church that could shape a region? Because we wanna believe that that's what God has called us to do, a campus whose grace to receive. This might get you excited. Receive people who are on a journey of finding hope in Jesus Christ, who will know a tangible and strong moving of the Holy Spirit in our midst, that we would believe in our day there would be a strong moving of the Holy Spirit. Who knows we need the Holy Spirit? Because you should answer yes to that, because if it's down to my skills or down to my abilities, you're all in trouble too. We need the Holy Spirit's help, but we will believe for a tangible moving of the Holy Spirit, a place where people will receive an encounter with the Holy Spirit and a touch of the miraculous. In this new era across all three campuses, we will take God at His Word and voice a sound of declaration, one where people trust God, not just the church trusts God, but you personally trust God and take Him at His Word. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's your current declaration of faith? What's in your heart right now that needs to have the voice of faith added to it? Is there anything? If you're watching me online, what's your declaration of faith? Have you got a declaration of faith in your life? Because I've learned something. If you're living in a place of faith and trust in God, it's going to need some declaration. So what is your current declaration of faith? And what does a a, a declaration of faith look like in your life? Maybe it's to declare that my child will get on fire for God. Instead of I wish my child would get on fire for God. Maybe it's my wife or my husband will be next to me in church rather than I wish that my husband or wife would be next to me in church. Notice the difference. One is a declaration of faith and one is wishful thinking. And I feel like God's saying, come on Life Church, be willing to declare in faith what you're asking for. So what does it look like for you? 
But what does it look like for us as a church? I feel like our declaration as a church is quite simple. It's to keep saying yes to God. We will walk in obedience to Him. And we will see God do amazing things if we keep walking in a yes, if we keep walking in obedience to Him and keep putting Christ at the centre of it all. I wanna read you a passage this morning from Deuteronomy. Maybe if I go to the Scripture, that'll get you excited. Deuteronomy this morning, the context of this passage that we'll read is that the words of Moses spoken to the Israelites in the wilderness east of the Jordan. Moses was proclaiming to the Israelites all that God had commanded for them. And Moses is really beginning to expound the law. It's an amazing book, it's worth reading. And in the book of Deuteronomy, you see many times the law of first mention or where something in the Bible's mentioned later was first mentioned. You see that in the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses is speaking on things like leadership or rebellion the wanderings in the wilderness, which was contextualised to them, idolatry, the 10 commandments. And then we see the first mention in Deuteronomy chapter six of love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength that Jesus then refers back to in Matthew 22 when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? As you continue to read through the book, you see two key themes among many others. And these are two very important themes that I feel God still has mandated for each of us personally. They are love the Lord and Him only, and walk in obedience to God. Like that still matters today. Love the Lord your God and Him only and walk in obedience to Him. And then we arrive at our text this morning that I wanna share with you in a few moments, Deuteronomy 28, and it's titled Blessing for Obedience. See, obedience unlocks the blessing of God upon our lives, but it will also continue to unlock the blessing of God on our church. But here's some new revelation that God has given me just recently. You may not have heard, we will be a church that's more interested in generational legacy than personal legacy. That our story as a church is generational and the way that God functions and the way that God operates is always generational. And so instead of Carl being interested in Carl's personal legacy, I wanna be somebody who builds upon a previous generation's legacy. I don't just throw out what God did through their lives, but I'll go, they've built an incredible foundation. They've taken on some challenges and overcome. They've broken ground that we don't need to break so that we can go further in God. That's generational, building upon generational legacy. But there's a desire, a desire in all of our hearts, as you are, especially a younger generation, where I wanna be an original. I wanna do something for, that marks my life and is my legacy. And yet I feel God saying, come on, build upon the legacy of a previous generation. The nations of the earth were promised to be blessed through Abraham. That's generational legacy. That's how God operates. And so generational legacy becomes important. We won't throw out what a previous generation built, but we build upon it. And that releases a greater level of God's blessing. And it gives the next generation a greater foundation through the faithfulness of a previous generation. That's why we continue to speak about where we've come from. That's why we continue to speak about what God's done previously and then point to where God's taking us is because we honour the foundation of a previous generation and we acknowledge their legacy and say, we will build upon the legacy of a previous generation. Obedience leads to blessing is actually God's principle, it's not mine. I didn't make this up to say, well, if, you, if you'll obey God, you'll just be completely blessed. This is God's process. Think of it with your own child for a moment. Your child in the natural obeys your instruction and trusts your wisdom. They gain a greater level of trust, don't they? They actually get more yeses than noes. They get greater access to that which is precious 
to you. They get a greater freedom of independence and more opportunities because obedience shows trust and a willingness to be shown the way. And that results in generational legacy and generational obedience, but they get blessed and more opportunities because they're willing to take direction from God. So it is with God. When His kids obey Him, it releases a greater depth of His blessing. He can trust us at deeper levels and He can give us more opportunities. So I wanna share with you this morning out of Deuteronomy and declare a few things that God showed me when we planted Selwyn. They're not new to you but I wanna restate them over our lives at the outset of us now being in three locations. It's quite long, so try and stay awake as I read. Deuteronomy 28, verse one to 14. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you, somebody's got to hold on to this, will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. The Lord will send blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people as He promised you on oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to Him. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground. In the land He swore to your ancestors, look at the generational blessing, He swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you will pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or the left, following other gods and serving them. Because I've waffled on for a long time, I need to do this quite quickly. But here are some of the promises. The first is this. If you obey the Lord your God, all these blessings will accompany you. Who wants the accompanied blessings of the Lord upon their life? Who wants to know that wherever you go, God's blessing is with you? I want that on my life. I sure do, but it's not necessarily talking about financial blessing. Because in the West, we like that. When we use the word blessing or we use the word prosperity, sometimes we think of it in the context of what matters to us. And a lot of what matters to us is financial freedom. But if the blessing of God can touch every single nation of the earth, it cannot be limited to finances. Because not every place in the world is a great place to live financially. So it cannot be limited to a financial blessing. It must be much greater than that. I believe it goes like this. It's the peace of God in the midst of any circumstance is your blessing. The joy of the Lord that is your strength will overflow no matter what you face. And it's the promise of God's presence being with you wherever you go. How about that? Then the accompanied presence of the Lord wherever you go. That's true for every believer in every nation on planet earth. Here's the second one. 
You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. See, it was their daily routine to go out and get supplies for the day, to go out and get water, go out and collect wood and come back in. And so their everyday ordinary tasks will be blessed. How about that for you? Your everyday ordinary tasks will be blessed. Even when you're brushing your teeth, the presence of God is with you. You can have great peace even when you're brushing across an area of your tooth that needs a filling. God's blessing is in your ordinary area. It's silly, but it's true. God's presence is with you in your everyday ordinary tasks. And your going out and your coming in will be blessed. Not just your Sunday morning at church, but your everyday ordinary. The third area of blessing is that God will grant you abundant prosperity. And there are three areas of prosperity that I wanna speak to, but I wanna start by saying prosperity has almost been made a dirty word in the church. Kind of like it's a prosperity gospel. Well, what I read of who God is and His character and His nature, and I read Scripture, we are prospering every day when we're serving Him and walking in obedience to Him. Prospering when we do it in our own understanding. Maybe we feel like it's a prosperity gospel when it comes down to finances or how good my life is or how comfortable my life is, but that's not what the gospel is talking about. But I believe we prosper and the kingdom of God goes forward and the kingdom of God advances, but it doesn't say it'll all be nice and easy. Who knows that mission is not easy? Who knows that obedience is not always nice? What God asks you to go and read the prophet's lives. When God asks you to do something, it's not always nice and it's not always easy. But prospering for me looks like the kingdom of God going forward. It looks like understanding God's peace in the midst of turmoil. It understands having joy, even though my circumstances dictate that I shouldn't. The joy of the Lord becomes my strength. Now we begin to prosper. And the word prosperity needs to be taken back because it's not a dirty word. God is the God of His children prospering and moving forward. And there are three areas of key prospering that this passage talks about. The first is this, the fruit of your womb will prosper. When, we, when I first read that, I felt God speaking to that which you birth out of obedience. The vision that, you, that I give you that you birth will be blessed and it will prosper. This campus, Salwyn campus, QE2, online, our community ministries, prison ministry, all the ministries we birth out of obedience, our community programs out of obedience will prosper. And I believe that with all my heart. The second is that the young of your livestock will prosper. We feel this is an area of challenge for us as a church because we wanna be a church that's full of the next generation. So we wanna speak of a generation that is on fire for God. From young kids to 20-somethings, they're on fire for Jesus. The world is not the thing that they're taking their cues from, but Scripture and serving God, that they're on fire for Him. The young of your livestock will prosper. Who wants that? In the church family. And the third is the crops of your ground will prosper. This one speaks of you will have all the resource you need to accomplish all that God has asked you to accomplish. Again, it's not just talking about money because our greatest resource is actually people. It's actually having the team to do what God's asked us to do and to do it well. And so we declare that we will have all the people resources we need to accomplish all that God has put before us and into our future. So our declaration is that the vision we birth out of obedience to God would be abundantly blessed. We declare that we'd be filled to overflowing with the next generation on fire for God and leading the church into the future. And we declare that we would have all the resource needed to do everything that God has placed before us. There are some other declarations in here that I just wanna touch on. This one particularly, the enemy will come at you in one direction, but he'll flee from you in seven. It doesn't say the enemy won't come at you, guess what? The enemy will. 
He will make an effort and He will come after you. But the people of God, when they submit to God, means the devil has to flee. Meaning he might come at you with one strategy and come at you in one direction, but he's gonna be forced to scatter and flee in seven directions if God's people will stay in submission to Him. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. God is for us and God has overcome the enemy. The Bible says the enemy must flee, must flee when God's people submit to Him. I pray that we would see with eyes of faith because what we see is what we will build. That in this new era, we would trust God and His promises. I wanna ask you a few questions this morning. Can we believe for incredible things together? You're allowed to answer that. Can we trust God together for an incredible harvest of souls? Come on, if that doesn't get us excited, we're in the wrong place. Can we trust God for a harvest of souls? Can we believe together that we are putting our personal preferences aside in order to reach lost people who don't know Jesus? Because we believe with all our hearts they need Christ, don't we? Because we know the truth of who Jesus is. Can we put God first and put people's salvation ahead of our own preferences? I mentioned it. You know, on any, any given week, I'll get people to come to me and say, Carl, it was too hot today. And someone else will say, it's too cold. I'll have someone else come to me and say, it was too loud this morning. And someone else will come and say, it was too quiet. It was too light this morning. It was too dark this morning. And I often chuckle to myself and think, if we're getting it on both sides, we're probably about bang on down the middle somewhere. And I have no problem with people saying that because I understand some things are uncomfortable for us. So hear my heart. But there are moments in our lives where we have to decide to put our preferences aside for somebody else to have the opportunity to receive a personal relationship with Jesus. In fact, mission is always that. Church life is always that. It's about me sacrificing for somebody else to be blessed. We talk about it on the other side of my obedience is somebody else's salvation. And I'm gonna tell you something. I don't like every song we sing. Some of them are like, that's not my kind of song. But again, it's not about me. So we've got to have a range of stuff because it's about me putting my preferences to one side and it's hard to do because we're human. But church, that's what it's gonna take to be missional is the understanding that not all our preferences will be met. Can we have a big vision together and not just stay in the comfortable? Can we say yes to being stretched and going the extra mile for the sake of the mission and the privilege it is to serve the one who gave his life for us. And you know, if you want a biblical picture of preference, Jesus Christ did not wanna to go to the cross. Yes, he was fully God, he was also fully man. And if you know the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked his disciples to stay here and pray while he went on a little further. And his prayer to God was, if, it was, if it's your will, can you take this cup from me? And Jesus did that three times. It was not Jesus' preference necessarily to go to the cross, it was going to be horrific. But then he says, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus says, I'll put my preference in my flesh aside to the, for the will of the Father. Jesus even knew what it was. As the worship team comes back, I'm gonna ask you if you're able to stand because I'd love the privilege this morning of praying for us. My prayer has been this week that this would be more than just a prayer, that there'll be a moment here where the Holy Spirit can touch our hearts again. So we can hear a message like that today. 
we can go away and think, well, you know, it was either good or it wasn't. You know, God said, that's, that's cool. I want to believe for that too. I want to believe that the church of Jesus Christ would go forward. But it needs to be more than just a message that you heard something that needs to drop from our ears and our head into our heart. And I've been praying, Holy Spirit, would you do something in our hearts? Because I want to believe for us as a church that our faith temperature would keep going up. Our faith levels would keep going up. And the reality of a message like I, I preached this morning is that most of the time, there's some prophetic parts to it, but it's just an invitation to intercession or prayer. The reality is for us to see God be able to do what He wants to do through our church, we're gonna have to lift the temperature of prayer in our church. And uh, you know, somebody said to me recently, I'm going way off script now, which is always dangerous, just a wee warning. Somebody said to me recently, the church is going so well, isn't it? And uh, I said, yeah, it is, it's awesome, but I'm not satisfied yet because we're not reaching enough people yet with the truth of who Jesus is. I don't say this to be negative, I say this to reveal my heart to you. And, and the reality is we have a prayer meeting every few weeks in the church and like 30 people come out to pray. And for me as the leader, I feel like, well, God, then do something in our hearts. If we're not moved to pray yet, then revival's not coming yet. So do something in our hearts then, will you, Lord? And that's what I've been praying as we pray here. God, would You lift our faith in our hearts? Would You reveal something to us? So I don't feel like the leader's beating me up, but it's actually a revelation of from heaven that you talk about wanting to reach people and you talk about these things, but you don't wanna pray, that there would be this faith moment that would happen in our hearts. So we need a transaction from heaven. So let's bow our heads if you can, and let's pray. Lord, we turn our hearts towards You today. And I pray we would be bold in our faith declaration, where we would be a people who would continue to say yes and continue to walk in obedience to You. We thank You for Your blessing on everything that we do. As we read in Deuteronomy, everything You put Your hand to, we declare would be blessed. But we continue to invite You, Holy Spirit, into everything we do because we know the Bible says, if God does not build the house, the labourers labour in vain. And we want our campuses to be built by You and built for You. And we declare, and I want you to agree, we declare salvations. And we declare prodigals coming home. And you know, as I even pray that, for many of you in this room, as I look around, that is personal for you. That you have sons and daughters or family members or parents or close friends who are not walking with Jesus, they once did. But for whatever reason, whether they've been hurt or disillusioned or they've believed a lie and they've been deceived, whatever the reason is, they're no longer walking with Jesus. And when we talk about the mission, it doesn't get any more personal than having a family member who's not walking with Jesus. It doesn't make it any more personal than that. And so we're gonna stop for a moment. We're gonna pray for prodigals. Last week I did this and Selwyn Campus and I really felt God show me that if we truly believe that they need Jesus, then it's gonna touch our hearts and it's gonna lift our faith and it's gonna lift our prayer. And so if you have a prodigal in your life, someone that once walked with Jesus, but no longer is, I'm asking you to lift your hands in faith. And now I'm gonna pray and you're gonna believe for their lives to be radically touched again, because we need an intervention of heaven in some people's lives. So Holy Spirit, we thank You know every person that's represented by lifted hands in this place. We're about to sing a song called Breakthrough that talks about strongholds 
being broken. Will we pray right now for every prodigal where there's a stronghold of deception around their lives, where possibly they've believed a lie or something else has taken their attention and distracted them from Jesus. We break the power of that stronghold around their life and we ask for an open door into their hearts that heaven would touch their lives. Heaven would transform their minds and their thinking in Jesus' Name. Lord, we even give You permission to interrupt their world and to get their focus back on You. So Father, we speak to every prodigal and we call them home in Jesus' Name. These are Your children. These are Your kids. They belong to You. So Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit, You would touch their hearts, soften the soil of their hearts, I pray in Jesus' Name, that as we would sow seeds of faith, the soil in their hearts would be good soil and it would receive the seed that would grow and become fruitful in Jesus' Name. We speak, we say, devil, enemy, get your hands off their lives. They belong to the Lord. They are blood-bought children of the living God. And we say they will be in the church. They will be in relationship with Jesus again. And we declare it over their lives in Jesus' Name. We declare encounters with the Holy Spirit right here in this place and online for those who are joining us. We declare that people will be healed and that people will be set free. We declare and resound that marriages will be restored, that relationships that are broken would be restored. We declare this community where we're placed would be blessed because Life Church is here and continues to put Jesus Christ at the centre of it all. We wanna represent you well in Jesus' Name.